Welcome to another midweek episode of Checks and Balances. I'm Michael Vincent. This is James Blair. And today we're talking about the LVR changes for investment properties. So, Michael. James. I thought we couldn't get any debt. I wow. thought I thought the system didn't want us to have any debt, a.k.a. any fun. Well, What's- they did, but then Adrian, or the property investment enthusiast that he is, said, hey guys, there's too much going into new builds. We need to think about in-situ properties. Is that the reason why? Yeah, <laughs> he loves them. He loves them. Yeah. Why Why did they make that change? Why not change the LVRs on both new builds and in-situ properties? To be honest, I don't know why you would just focus on in-situ properties. New builds are exempt from LVR restrictions anyway, so you, there's not really much to change there. It just comes down to the amount of risk that the bank is willing to take on the particular property. Usually that's no more than 90% LVR. However... They have come out recently and said, we are going to increase the amount of borrowing that you can take out on in-situ investment properties. It used to be restricted to 60%. They've now increased it to 65%. A whopping, a groundbreaking, an earth-shattering 5%. Talk to you to me, baby. <laughs> um, so does it, do we care? Look. So do we care? Yes. What does it signal? A loosening of restrictions around how people approach investment property, right? So it's the sentiment from the Reserve Bank. Does it matter to one person trying to buy an in-situ investment property? Probably not a hell of a lot. However, let's say you've got a portfolio of properties. Let's say I have three or four, five or six. Actually, an increase in the amount I can lend against those properties of 5% per property Probably means actually a new build is not my only option now, and I can probably look at it a uh, in situ property. Mm, yeah, that that's probably where it makes a bit of a difference. Mm. What's the the interesting part is the the change in the direction, right? Mm. It's been all one way traffic. You know, we don't want any more money going into property. Yeah, find something else to do with your beer money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now we're going. Well, actually, let's loosen loosen things up a little bit. Yeah, and look. I don't like slagging off banks and I don't like slagging off the Reserve Bank. However. However. <laughs> hold yeah. my beer. Nah, look, hey, um, it's it's all cyclical, right? And as the economy moves through certain stages, and much like bank lending, as the banks hit the top of the market, they will start to restrict uh, things that they consider to be the most risky parts of an application, like the LVR, like the amount of debt to income that they, um, that they will lend upon. And the Reserve Bank, at the end of the day, is just a bank. Uh, it's fundamentally really no different. Um, so as we start to move through the bottom of the market, they might say, okay, we need to free this up a bit just so we can have a little bit more activity in the market there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day as well, if you're trying to apply this to your own situation, just remember for most people, buying existing property is a bad idea. And I say for most people because most people want to be passive investors. Yeah. If you're going to um, roll up the sleeves, add some value uh, go down that road, then fill your boots. Um, but just remember, there's still a bunch of benefits to new builds that are very hard to get past. However, let's say I don't mind getting my hands a little bit dirty, or let's say I've got the deposit They're now. perfectly manicured. I know, they, they are actually. Um, and Well, that's put me off. Uh, no. Because <laughs> I take good care. Uh, no, I the, appreciate you say, noticing, James. Let's say I had 40 depo- uh, 40% deposit. Now the requirements come back to 35%. Where this might make it a bit more attractive is actually that I can spend that 5% on 
renovating the property where I can actually extract more value out of it in terms mm. of rent. And yeah, you probably won't get it out of 5%, but let's say you spend a little bit more, you may get to the point where you can add a new code of compliance to that property or get it into some way where it fits um, the rules where it has that interest deductibility. Mm. And that's the big thing for those in-situ investment properties is the lack of interest deductibility. Yeah, unless National win and keep their word, which, you know, multiple aspects to that. Yeah, look, I've been holding my breath for a politician to do something they promised for about ooh, 34 years now and it still hasn't come true. So we don't rely Botox on that. Botox is keeping you tidy for 34 years. The Botox the is it's the Botox and the manicures. <laughs> However, you know, if you are seriously looking at investing in property, this does open up a little bit more of the avenue of in situs. And I know you're saying that uh, existing property, oh, sorry, um, the new build properties are very passive and you know it's hands off it's easy to manage it's all of the things we promote about them actually this does make the in-situ properties a little bit more attractive and there are fundamentally good capital gains to be made in the in-situ space because you're not just waiting for the market to come back you can do the renovations you can add a little bit you know we've talked about this on the podcast before we've got a cracker episode with Ilsa from uh Opez Accelerate where she talks about you know, some of the clients where she's had, where she's taken them from, you know, extracting almost nothing out of the property to being able to leverage that income to buy another one. Mm. Do you think there will be further loosening by the Reserve Bank and old mate Adrian Orr? Or do you feel like, you know, this was a one-off um, uh, kind of change and we won't see any more changes for a while? No, I think that this will be a further loosening uh, or, or further changes. So the Reserve Bank... Um, we all know its primary mission is to keep inflation in check between 1% and 3%. They've now been kind of lumped with more responsibility around making sure that employment uh, is at its, I guess, non-accelerating uh, natural pace um, around the stability of the economy. And the stability of the New Zealand economy is very much influenced by house prices and house price growth. So I would say that they will add this to the selection of tools they have where they can adjust things and pull levers to make sure that they are hitting all of their targets, especially around house price growth. Yeah, I know Labor and the Reserve Bank are different things, but ooh, I'm sure Labor would love, you know, probably not going to happen before the election. Labor would love a little jump in house prices before the election, make everybody feel a little bit happier, a little bit better a little bit about richer. the world. They would. It's an interesting thing, right? Because the housing, the house price problem is the problem that no one wants to solve. Because if you solve the house price problem, all you're doing is wiping a whole lot of wealth out of the economy. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, well, I was rich under that government and now I'm not so rich now. What do you expect Kiwis to do, Mike, if they're not going to invest into property? What? Start a business, invest in a good, invest into a service? Mate, I just want some bricks and mortar. Well, actually, I want to touch you, it. I want to feel yeah, it. Yeah. What you actually want is the tax breaks of investing in property and the ability to leverage, let's be honest. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my bricks and mortar. <laughs> <laughs> even that, that laugh, Ravi's laugh might even got picked up on the on the mic. He like tries to squeeze another yeah. um, syllable yeah. into that. Yeah. Um, one last question before we wrap it up. Yep. Um, why do you think they focused on in-situ properties. And the reason I ask that question mm. is if I go, where are um, people going, right? So new builds, yeah. investors, a lot of investors, yeah. and some first-home buyers because it's attractive. Mm. In um, in-situ properties, yeah. sophisticated investors that have more time, yeah. 
and first home buyers. I would have thought there would be more people going towards in situ than there is going towards new builds. So you think there was already more people going towards in situ? Yeah. Or are you asking me why did they focus on it to adjust in situ? It just seems like more people would be buying in situ properties and buying new builds with the two markets of, of first home buyers and investors. Well, this is only for investors, right? Yeah. So like first home well, buyers e- have, have the run of the mill anyway, right? You can go to a... Um, uh, a new build property and leverage up to 90% mm. in some instances, 95%. Um, you have from the government, you've got a ton of help there. You've got first home buyers grants, first home partnership, Kiwi build, you know, all of these sorts of things. So I think comparing why would they focus on in situ investment properties versus anything to do with first home buyers is an apples for apples. Mm. What I think you're probably wondering about is uh, traditionally, investors are an easy punching bag so why would you just relax? selfish wow yes why would you why would you relax the rules for them yeah and i think that all it is is probably uh as the steam comes out of the market it is going to be it is going to introduce a lot of instability into the economy mm. and a slight tweak to make those houses slightly more attractive to any buying pool it's going to just help to prop up the prices a little bit and probably give you a little bit more of a soft landing, mm. um, you know, uh, than otherwise, I guess there otherwise would be. Yeah, yeah. And a classic James move, when I said one more question, I'll ask you one more question. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you thought this wouldn't be the only change and you'll yeah. see some more changes in the future. Um, and you've talked about that soft landing. What would be the next levers that may get pulled? Yeah, so from the Reserve Bank, who really do have a fairly limited tool belt there, I would say the official cash rate coming back is the major one, right? It's no surprise that at some point over the next 12 to 18 months, interest rates will probably start to come back. And that increases the purchasing power for pretty much everybody, um, investors or uh, first-home buyers or next-home buyers. Nice. Um, Adrian or Um, so I think the official cash rate coming down is probably the big one Uh, they may continue to adjust the LVR levers Um, beyond that there's not really much they can do that I could see that would make a huge difference in terms Mm. of the powers they have now Um, I would say that actually maybe the introduction of compulsory KiwiSaver in conjunction with the government might make uh, or compulsory superannuation might make a big difference because instead of adjusting uh, the official cash rate you could also adjust the rate, the minimum rate of uh, contribution to KiwiSaver, which would take money out of people's pockets and at the same time not take it away from them like you do with the banks, but just delay the point where they get the money to 65. So there's a number of tools they can introduce. Of the two big ones, it's LVR and official cash rate. Yeah, yeah. And it also makes me wonder about like, say, I wonder what the split of buyers is between first home buyers, investors and only if there was a way that we can get data like that that's meaningful and interesting and brings um yeah meaningful insights all i've got to say watch checks and balances listeners <laughs> watch the space we've got some very cool news coming yeah, very 100%. soon uh thank you very much for joining us please make sure to review share the love help us get to 100 review- reviews on spotify and we'll catch you next time cheers